Welcome back, everybody, to the Bear Goggles podcast. This is your host, Parker Hurley. This is our episode two, and uh, hopefully you got to listen to the first episode of our podcast. But to be honest, you know, between our first podcast and now, a lot has changed in the Chicago Bears. There's been a lot of developments happening. Really, you know, as I'm recording this on Wednesday, March 13th, um, you know, there's so much developing just overall right now because, um, you know, while the league year was supposedly quote-unquote started on Wednesday, March 13th at 4 p.m., you know, we've seen every team has really been active ever since the start of the negotiating periods or the legal tampering is what they're calling it. But nonetheless, deals have been flying in left and right. We were unsure, I was unsure for sure, how active the Bears were going to be in this free agency, especially early on to the free agency. And then lo and behold, the team actually does, they end up and go out and spend some some of their money, or they're early on, they're going out and spending some money on players who are going to make key impacts. So for this podcast, we're going to really just dig into the three players um, that they signed so far. And, you know, maybe by the next podcast, there'll be more players, or we can talk about, you know, uh, what's next in terms of their plans or everything like that. But for the most part, really just want to dig into these three players, um, what I think of them as players, what I think the signing means, and then um, you know what they could contribute to the Chicago Bears. So we'll start with their first real free agent, and you know this is where all of a sudden you know surprise here it comes. And you know my first podcast I was talking about choosing between Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos, and I'm saying you know. If you have to between the two, you gotta go Bryce Callahan. But there's a ch- there's a better chance that neither come back than there is that both come back. And it turns out that that was correct. Um, in terms of neither of them are going to come back this year. Adrian Amos signed with the Green Bay Packers, but the Bears kind of sealed Bryce Callahan's fate when they signed Buster Screen. Uh, so they signed him to. Uh, I believe it was like a three-year, $15 million deal, something along those lines. Um, his average annual salary is about near that $5 million mark. And, you know, another thing that I was saying on that last podcast was going back to us cornerback and Tavon Young saying, well, he got three years, $24 million to start in the slot. And you could kind of offset some of his pros and some of his cons to that's got to be around the framework of what Bryce Callahan's going to get on an open market. So I think what the Bears are doing with the main idea of the screen signing is saying, you know, Tavon Young set the market at $8 million. Callahan on this open market all of a sudden has a couple bidders here and there is going to make more than $8 million. Um, I think the Bears just said, you know what, we would much rather take somebody now at a cheaper price than wait on Callahan's decision or hope that we're in it for Callahan and end up missing out on some of these slot cornerbacks. So I think they just took a guy in Buster's screen and said, at $5 million, we think we can get the same or similar. I don't think it's going to be the same production. It could be a drop-off in production of Bryce Callahan. But in terms of, you know, if the market really does shape out the way Callahan wants, he might be getting $10 million. So, you know, how what can Callahan do at $10 million that, you know, makes him this much better than screen or how bad could screen be at $5 million to where you're really regretting not poning up double, literally double to, you know, upgrade from screen to Bryce Callahan. And it's interesting because 
financially, I understand the decision if you're the Chicago Bears. Um, you're strapped against it. You have big money players on the defensive side of the ball as it is um, in terms of you just went out and paid Khalil Mack. You, have a, you, know, you just went out and paid Eddie Goldman last year. You have a guy like Akeem Hicks on contract. Um, for the most part, what they're saying is our pass rush can help our back end a little bit. And in terms of helping our back end, we have to shave some money off of the back end in terms of, yes, we cannot afford Bryce Callahan for 10. We'll take Bruster's screen for five. Um, you could look at an article I posted on BearGogglesOn.com, really breaking down the numbers of Buster screen. And, you know, hey, for the most part, they're not that great. They really are not. You know, he had a bad season last year um, for, for the most part. He had, he had some ups, some downs. But he really got beat deep down the football field a little bit too often. And he was also a victim of um, giving up a few more touchdowns, especially compared to a player like Bryce Callahan. You know, and if you put Buster Screen's numbers up against Bryce Callahan's, you're just not going to get the same player. Um, what the Bears are, for the most part, banking on is saying, okay, Screen gave up some big plays. He gave up some touchdowns. He, you know, struggled in coverage for the most part. Um they're kind of hoping or they're assuming that a lot of that is tied to the fact that the Jets don't have any sort of pass rush. You know, the Chicago Bears were, you know, led the league in terms of pass rush. They were consistently getting after the quarterback, whether or not it was sacks, it was also hurried throws. That hurried throws lead to Bryce Callahan having better stats, obviously. You know, Bruster Screen, what they could be saying is, we saw Screen in similar coverages in similar regards, handling it similar ways. And we feel like if he had a quicker pass rush, if the pass rush was there a second early, Screen wouldn't get picked on the way that he got picked on. And they're saying, yes, he got picked on, but if you put Bryce Callahan on the New York Jets, Callahan might play the same way he did for the 2018 Chicago Bears if he was on the New York Jets defense and he couldn't last a second longer than he did for the Bears, he would be getting picked on in a similar regard. And that's where they're, you know, looking at the sizes, about 5'9", 180. They're almost the exact same size. They're very similar in terms of their measurables. Um, screen is older, yes. And I know, you know, one thing that I would caution people about saying, and they're looking at game start started, and I understand that, and they're saying, screen's healthier. Um, this season especially, screen had some concussion questions. And the games that, the only times that he's missed are concussions. So while, yes, we cannot see, you know, Bryce Callahan was walking in a boot to end his season. We cannot see that Bryce Cal or that Buster Screen has any injury questions whatsoever. You do have to add in that he has concussion question marks, and there's a possible chance that he could just miss a three-game stretch in the middle of the season. And that's actually what happened for the New York Jets last season. And you know, the New York Jets got a taste of Perry Nickerson in the slot and if you actually look it up um the quad edge has an injury impact um statistic or tool that you can look up each player on off splits so when they're on the field versus when they're off the field um and actually the defense the jets defense was about the same from perry nickerson to buster screen so they're saying you know we drafted nickerson in about the fifth round um screen's gonna go get about five million dollars on an open market we would rather pay perry nickerson so while you're saying, okay, yeah, that's the Jets and they're not going to make the best decisions, you still have to say the Jets who will throw money at anybody said enough is enough with Buster Screen. You know, we can't make it happen with him. Um, is it tied to the pass rush? We're definitely going to see now. 
Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say that screen is overall healthier. And you know, I wouldn't just say that okay, it's a safer option than Bryce Callahan. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that because while he's cheaper and while he's played more games, um, I think the injury questions are valid in terms of his, um, you know, in terms of his concussions. And for you know, screen is more experienced, I would say, but still, he's never had the peaks that a guy like Bryce Callahan has had. Screen has always just been a decent slot cornerback, and really, you know. Last year was one of his down years. He really had three or four really bad games where he just got relentlessly picked on in the slot. So that that has happened to him in there. But you just have to wonder, you know, change of scenery, change of def- defense, you know. Um, Ryan Pace drafted Bryce Callahan as an undrafted free agent. And, you know, through, what what was it, four seasons? Took him from, you know, two seasons where he really wasn't anything to last year he was really starting you know, or really was, you know, second season he started to, you know, get some snaps. Last season he's really starting. And this season he's breaking out and potentially getting a contract. I think Ryan Pace is looking at it and saying, okay, I know what, you know, I know what skills he had. And I know that, you know, um, how we could coach up a slot cornerback similarly to Bryce Callahan as an undrafted free agent. Buster Screen has all of that. And it won't take him as long to kind of blend in because he's an NFL veteran. Um, he fits the mold of what Ryan Pace is looking for in terms of his Bryce Callahan, you know, replacement or in types of his, in terms of his mold. So screen fits the mold, and it will be interesting to see. I mean, this will be the ultimate test of is pass rush, you know, more important than pass coverage? Because um, if the bear, if he, you do just in slot screen, and screen goes from a bottom level slot player to a top level slot player, you say, okay, Callahan was only influenced by the pass rush. Um, if you stick screen in and he's still, you know, putting up numbers similar to the Jets, you know, giving up touchdowns, giving up some deep passes, um, really getting beat down the field, then you're saying, okay, this is a situation where Callahan really did just, you know, earn it and became that type of player. And Buster Screen is never going to be that player. So it is a three-year deal. It's essentially a two-year deal when you break down the guarantees. So if it doesn't work out for him, they can move on from him. So... It's interesting, and like I said, um, one last point really that I want to touch on with the you know Bryce Callahan stuff before we move on from that is uh, you know another article that I wrote that you know like I said Ryan Pace found him as a UDFA. Ryan Pace also consistently never paid him, you know, and it goes back to the fact that he could have put a second round tender on him, he could have put a first round tender on him, but he didn't put any tender or he put a low level tender on him, which is for a UDFA. All that means is, um, this is the last offseason, before this uh, 2018 offseason. Last offseason, they put a low-level tender on him, which means for a UDFA, um, if any team signed him on the market, the Bears would have a chance to match it, but they would not get any compensation in return. So just last offseason, the Bears just completely let Bryce Callahan go test the market and see if he could sign somewhere else. And they were completely unafraid of getting any compensation for him whatsoever just last season. And then he comes back on a one-year deal, and he comes into camp. And Ryan Pace has multiple chances to extend him, whether it is when he comes back, whether it is slapping a tender on him and extending him, you know, showing we're committed to you. Um, and then whether it's you know training camp or throughout the season, just never showed a commitment to extending Bryce Callahan, which is why, well, like I said, I expected between Callahan and Amos, I thought Amos was going to get more money on the open market, so I thought he was less likely to come back. I also said I wouldn't be surprised if Pace at the end of the day said, 
I'm not ponying up big money for Bryce Callahan because I know exactly what I have in Bryce Callahan, and I think I can get more, or I think I can get similar, you know, from out from an outside source than Bryce Callahan. So, for the most part, he thinks that at half the price he can get a very similar player. Um, we'll see one how good you know Pace is at filling that role because he did an admirable job, bold job in terms of finding Callahan, and then two, like I said, we'll see just how important that pass rush is. So that's going to be an interesting position. Nonetheless, I still don't think, you know, they're necessarily satisfied in the slot. Like if in the fifth round a slot player was there, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him. Also, Rashad Fant, a UDFA, I would just kind of keep in mind from Indiana. He ended up on the IR after his rookie season, but I feel like he'll he'll come in and compete there. So nonetheless, that was the first corner or the first signing was a slot cornerback, and you kind of figured between Amos, you know, like I said, he went to the Packers and Callahan. They kind of had to address one or the other first. They still have not addressed the safety position, but you kind of knew that they would have to address some of this first. And they did go out and they got a cornerback first, but then not long after, they're less focused on replacing Adrian Amos, and this is where maybe you know Dayon Bush is in line to step in. Um, but the very next move they do is they go out and sign Mike Davis from the Seattle Seahawks. And this is an interesting one to me because a lot of people just immediately brushed this off and said, that's Benny Cunningham's replacement. And I wrote something, and even when I wrote it, I feel like in the comment section, a lot of people are saying, no, that's still Benny Cunningham's replacement. And I'm saying, let's start looking at some of the facts here, guys. They first off, they gave him three million dollars per year, with the upside of it being three point five. The most he can make on this is seven million dollars over two years. Jordan Howard is making two million dollars next year, and the Bears are going to trade him. Like, which player do you actually think they value higher? Like to me, that means Mike Davis, the guy that they're paying more for next for twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, not the guy that they're going to trade. So if you trade Jordan Howard, it's it would net them about one point six million dollars on the salary cap. Um, they're obviously going to trade him for a draft pick, which would cost a little bit of money. What, like $600,000? So it saves them $1.6. They spend $0.6 on a draft pick to replace Jordan Howard. And all of a sudden, they save a million dollars by cutting Jordan Howard. Guess what they did? They put that million dollars towards Mike Davis. So like, if you're really breaking down the dollars and cents here, they're looking at Mike Davis as a direct Jordan Howard replacement. I truly believe this. So the big thing and why everybody's saying, no, you're crazy, there's no way he's a Benny Cunningham replacement, is Mike Davis, I think his career high was 120 carries last season, whereas Jordan Howard has carried the football 250 times in a season. So how can the guy who's carried it half as much as Jordan Howard as a career high replace Jordan Howard? Well, first off, they weren't going to give the ball to Jordan Howard as much next season. Um, Second off, Mike Davis, for the most part, has been dealing with injuries throughout his career. He spent his first two years with the 49ers, um, never really caught on there, um, signed with the Seahawks the year later, was a real complimentary player, and then last season, his fourth season, was the only season he was really healthy and was really a part of an offense. And um, not only did he get 120 carries, they threw it to him 40 times. So, yeah, he he only got 160 touches, and yes, that's not 250. Those are serious touches. And Mike Davis is 26 years old, and like I said, he just signed for more than Jordan Howard. His touches are not going down from what he just got in Seattle. He got 160 touches. So all of a sudden, is this guy going to get 200 touches? Probably because he's Jordan Howard's replacement. You know, that's really how I see this. Okay, not only did he get more money, not only is he in line for 
maybe not the same amount as Jordan Howard's, but if you cut some of Jordan Howard's and you added some to Mike Davis because you just paid him $3 million and like you're not going to pay a guy $3 million. Listen, Tevin Coleman, just now it's coming across the waiver, signed a two-year $10 million. Mike Davis signed a two-year $7 million. Like Mike Davis is going to be involved because if they wanted to pony up that extra million and a half they could have for Coleman, they had their eyes on Mike Davis. Um, and here's why. He's actually not bad between the tackles. Um, he's a somewhat decisive runner. He puts his foot down and he kind of cuts hard. Um, and the big thing that I am going back to is he averages 2.84 yards uh, per carry after contact. Jordan Howard has a career high of 2.74 yards per carry after contact. Now, notice I said career high. That's not just last season. That means that's the best he's ever done after contact is less than Mike Davis did last season. So you're starting to say Mike Davis is a, he's making more money than Jordan Howard. Check. He's better after contact, which you constitute as, you know, in between the tackles. Check. Um, His red zone numbers are um, somewhat similar in terms of touchdowns per carry and yards per carry. So he can do similar stuff in the red zone. He can run between the tackles, yards after the carry, check, 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 contract, check. He's involved in the passing game. I just said he caught about 40 passes. Um, His yards after the catch in 2018, just in yards after the catch for Mike Davis, is almost the same number as Jordan Howard's career receiving yards. Just yards after the catch in 2018. So, okay, he's making more money. He's better between the tackles. Similar goal line, way better pass catcher. Guys, like this is this is your Jordan Howard replacement. Um, are they done drafting a running back? No. Are they going to draft a running back just for the Benny Cunningham role like everybody keeps saying? No. They're going to draft a running back who could potentially get involved with Cohen, with Mike Davis, um, you know, become a potential three-headed monster. If Mike Davis doesn't work out, we have this rookie behind him. But to think that Mike Davis isn't going to be involved or that he's only going to be involved like Benny Cunningham. Benny Cunningham had 18 carries and made $600,000 last year. Mike Davis had 120 carries and is making $3 million. That ain't the role, man. Like That's not the role that he's playing for the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry to break it to you, but the Bears, Matt Nagy, who everybody is trusting and, you know, oh, we trust him as a talent evaluator. He knows, you know, he drafted Kareem Hunt. He wants his own running back. He wants his type of guy. He went out and evaluated the market and said, I can make do with this guy, Mike Davis. Let's go get him. You know, because, hey, if the Bears really thought he was their Benny Cunningham replacement, they could have waited until June to sign a Benny. Like, seriously, they could have waited until June to sign a Benny Cunningham replacement for $600,000. They seriously wanted Mike Davis in the similar regards. So they said, we need to sign Buster Screen before slot cornerbacks. They went out and said, yeah, Tevin Coleman, we want Mike Davis. That's what the Bears said. Like, yes, it's not life-changing money. It's not Le'Veon Bell money. It's still, it's more than Jordan Howard, and Jordan Howard's going to get a contract extension, and he might get more than Mike Davis, probably will, but the Bears weren't paying it, and they're saying that we can get Jordan Howard production at, like I said, just a million dollars is all it's going to cost, and it's going to cost us a million dollars, and we get an added year of the same value as Jordan Howard, just a million dollars more, we get an added year, we get this year and next year, and we can trade Jordan Howard and call it a, a pretty much a wash for a million dollars. And then they can draft a running back with that pick. And they don't necessarily lose any draft capital because the pick that they're acquiring Howard for, they can draft a running back with. It really does just all offset each other to where 
Mike Davis just literally slots in for Jordan Howard, and we're in the same place we were last month. You know, like Howard's going to get traded. They're going to draft a running back, and that's going to be the three is Cohen, a rookie, and Mike Davis. Um, I'm just telling you guys right now that he's going to get a lot more work than than Benny Cunningham is. That's just for sure, in my opinion. Um, and is it questionable? Heck yeah, it's questionable. You know, a guy that's never really carried the workload, who only in one season got over 120 touch or you know 100 touches or whatever, and he was really kind of you know the third man in line. Um, in terms of there's Chris Carson there, there's Rashad Penny. Seattle was okay with letting him go. So is that a risk? Yeah. Um, but like I said, we were all just last month, we were trusting Matt Nagy. And we were saying, oh, Mark Ingram with Matt Nagy. And oh, if he says whatever he says about Howard, he's probably right because it's his scheme and he knows. Okay, he knows that Mike Davis is going to be the guy. And he's saying for the same price of Jordan Howard or for almost the same price, like I said, we can get a year more of Mike Davis. And I think it's an upgrade. That's what Matt Nagy's saying. I think Mike Davis is an upgrade from Jordan Howard. I could be wrong on this, but... Um, and like I said, I think they're going to draft somebody. But Jordan Howard is signed, sealed, delivered, gone. And they're going to give a lot of the role-specific stuff that Jordan Howard did to Mike Davis, in my opinion. Just It makes all the sense in the world. So um, what makes this really interesting is because you say, okay, well, they, you know, like I said, they used Cohen and Cunningham and uh, Howard all together a little bit. They wanted to mix it around. Um, who cuts into some of these Benny Cunningham touches potentially? is their third signing that we're going to get to, Cordell Patterson, who's a, just a fascinating signing altogether, especially when you have a guy like Matt Nagy, who, like I said, we all trust his offensive mind, we all trust his offensive system. What's the biggest thing that Matt Nagy does, and why am I so sure that they're going to not only um, you know, give Mike Davis a serious role, but also draft a running back? Because he just loves versatility, and he wants more versatility, especially, where does he want it? Tight ends and running backs. He wants to put as many running backs on the field for you to think, run, run, run. They have three running backs on the field. They're definitely going to run it. And then he's throwing it on you because his running backs can catch the football. Mike Davis, Tarek Cohen, insert Cordero Patterson, who I wrote an article for BearGogglesOn.com. You can check that out because um, I wouldn't label him a wide receiver. I wouldn't put his position as wide receiver. His position is he's an offensive weapon. This is a guy who caught 21 passes um, or he caught 42 passes, I believe it was, and ran the football 21 times. But with the caveat that 14 of his receptions were actually behind the line of scrimmage. So for the most part, he was actually used more as, um, it was really kind of a split of three different players. You know, one, he was a wide receiver because he did run routes down the football field. Two, he was this player who took 14 touches behind the line of scrimmage, whether it be screens, whether it be quick little, um, you know, uh, that little play where he's in motion and Brady kind of just drops it into his lap, you know, something like that. Or whether, you know, just be these quick little passes behind the line of scrimmage. He did that, and then he also ran the football between the tackles as a running back um, and actually broke some big plays. He did it for the Raiders, too, against the Jets and had a big game, and he did it against the Bills for the Patriots on Monday Night Football. They were really short on running backs, and he actually uh, broke a couple runs into the open field. So Cordero Patterson is a mismatch weapon. And that's what Matt Nagy just strives for. I mean, think, you know, the first thing he did as, you know, one of the first things he did as the head coach is goes out and signs Trey Burton. Why? Trey Burton's such a mismatched player. He can line up in the slot. He can line up in line. He can line up as a fullback and pull. You can throw it to him in the flats. You can do this and that to him. You can do everything with Tarek Cohen. Same thing with Cordero Patterson on offense, you know. 
and it's gonna just it's gonna be so fascinating to see the types of packages that he whips up because like I said, if Cordero Patterson, Tarek Cohen, and Mike Davis are all on the field together, like and Cohen and Patterson are lined up as wide receivers, that's totally plausible. And then if the other two skill players are Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton and there's no receivers, that's in this Matt Nagy world, that's plausible. So the fact of the matter is in what Matt Nagy has been striving for with you know, most of these signings is, especially on offense, before the snap, we want you to make sure you have no idea what we're doing. You know, be, because we have so many different weapons and our receiver can catch or in our receiver can run between the tackles and our running backs can catch and our tight ends can block, but they can also catch. And, you know, that's just what he's looking for. Cordell Patterson is such, such a perfect fit. Um, especially, like I said, you can motion him from out wide to wide receiver, right to running back. And, you know, then you could motion Cohen from running back to wide receiver. And all of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky knows exactly what coverage they're running because whether the cornerback follows Cordero Patterson or who follows Cordero Patterson or when Patterson's a running back, do they do one thing? When Cohen's the running back, they do the other. When Cohen's the receiver, they do one thing. When Cohen's the running back, you know, all the things that he can do with Cordero Patterson. Just from a schematic point of view, Cordero Patterson's a great signing. Um the other thing is obviously special teams. You know, he has six return touchdowns. He also has one against the Chicago Bears where I even wrote that, you know, that was a game-changing play. The pa- the Bears were putting it on the Patriots, actually, if you guys remember. It was 17-7. to Bilal Nichols um, forces a fumble from Sonny Michelle. The Bears go straight in. It's 17-7. to All the momentum's on the Bears' side. Kickoff, 17-14. All the momentum's gone. That's what Cordero B- Patterson brings to the table. And another thing I wrote about with special teams is this is why Bill Belichick signed him. And, you know, when Bill Belichick signed somebody, you kind of take note. But Bill Belichick signed him mainly, I mean, for other reasons. You know, like I said, they used him as the same way that Nagy wants to. And I think Nagy will even go more extreme in his usage of Cordero Patterson. But one of the big reasons that Belichick wanted him is because of this new kickoff rule. Kickoffs are going out to the 25-yard line. Um, The NFL Competition Committee thought that by – Take, by moving kickouts out five more yards, that players who catch the football in the end zone would be more prone to kneeling because their coaches would get mad at them if they only took it to the 20-yard line. You know, So they're just saying, hey, just catch it and kneel it. We'll get it at the 25. That's fine. What these teams have realized is, or what some teams have realized is, okay, it's harder for kick returners to get from the you know goal line to the 25. We're going to kick a ball that's going to land on the two-yard line. So then you're going to have to take it out and you're not going to get to the 25 yard line. And now if you get to the 21 yard line, that used to be a loss. You know, if we kick it to the two and you take it to the 21, that's a loss. We should have just kicked it in the end zone. Now, if we kick it to the two and you take it to the 21, that's a four yard win and we should have not kicked it into the end zone. So Bill Belichick typically on his kickoffs will not kick it into the end zone and he will force returns. But Bill Belichick signed Cordell Patterson to say, if teams want to do this to me, I have the best return man, and I'm going to explode on them. So you have to kick it into the end zone, and we have to get the ball at the 25. And just inherently, we get better field position than most teams because most teams don't have a return man who will consistently get the ball to the 25-yard line. Cordell Patterson is that return man who can get the ball to the 25-yard line. And because his explosive plays are so much more than getting it to the 25-yard line, he can literally change games. That's where all of a sudden... With Patterson, you would much rather kick it in the end zone. You would much rather give them, you know, you'd rather give them three yards of field position than give them a game-changing touchdown. And that's where Cordero Patterson has some hidden value, I would say. 
So that pretty much wraps it up. Um, like I said, screen is a downgrade on Bryce Callahan, no matter how you look at it in terms of a player. But this is the ultimate test of, one, how, how good is the scheme? Two, how important is pass rush? And three, how good is Ryan Pace at evaluating? Because Pace scouted Bryce Callahan, pro, you know, developed him up the entire way, and then let him go. So Pace seems to think he knows what he's doing, and he seems to think that he can just find a similar mold to Callahan and get the same production. We'll see about that. Um, my Mike Davis stance, stance seems to be a lot more stronger than anyone else in terms of the Chicago Bears. I truly believe that he's in line for 150 carries at the very least and potentially 50 targets in the passing game. I believe that for the most part, he's going to cut. He's going to take almost all, you know, a good portion of Jordan Howard's touches. I think some of t- Howard's touches will go to the rookie. I think some of Howard's touches will go to Cohen. But I think a good majority are going to go to Mike Davis. And I actually believe that Matt Nagy thinks that Mike Davis is a better running back than Jordan Howard. So um, I'm much stronger on that take than some people. And like I said, I still think they're going to draft a running back. I just absolutely think they're going to trade Jordan Howard. And I wouldn't be surprised if that running back that they draft is more of a complimentary piece and Davis still is that power runner in between the tackles that Howard took a lot of. And then lastly, like I said, Cordero Patterson, um, I think he's the best signing of the three because he fits – He's everything Matt Nagy wants in an offensive player. He's perfect for everything Matt Nagy does on offense. And he brings the special teams value. So that does it for this one. Um, the Bears have um, still a little bit of cap space. I don't see them making you know too many big splash signings. Um, the big things they have to do is whether or not they think Dayon Bush is a starter, um, I think depth at safety is going to be something that needs to happen. And depth at outside linebacker absolutely has to happen in terms of um, Aaron Lynch is still unsigned right now, and yes, they have Kylie Fitz and Isaiah Irving, but um, you need to find, you know, whether it even be just a, you know, a cheaper guy, someone even on the, you know, it's not going to be Sam Macho because they let go of Sam Macho, but someone along those lines as a veteran who can bring special teams play, and, you know, if Fitz and Irving, you know, we're not banking on Fitz and Irving, we need some backup plans for Fitz and Irving, so that's where I could see, I think if, if I had to predict the next two moves, I would say some sort of safety depth, some sort of outside linebacker depth. But I also really, for the most part, think that they're not going to you know, go out and spend too, too much more. I think they're pretty, pretty okay with what they got. So um, that does it for this one. Um, actually, uh, we just got some uh, breaking news here that Ted Larson is signing um, a backup guard. So um, I did, I should have, I should have brought that one up, but I've been so, I've been thinking for a while that they're going to draft a guard. Um, that's really been my, my thought process behind this. So I still think I could still see them drafting a guard. Larson is almost exactly like Eric Cush in that he could play center. He could play guard. You know, he was with the bears not too long ago doing exactly what Eric Cush did. So they replaced Eric Cush with Ted Larson. I still think they have to replace Brian Witzman. And I think that that comes with the draft pick. So, um, I, I guess maybe next, next episode we'll talk about Larson a little bit more, but I mean, I think for the most part, bears fans even know what they're getting with him. And like I said, I think he's just going to fill that Eric Cush to where he can be a backup center, he can be a backup guard, and you know, still, even if you know if Kyle Long gets hurt, you still might sign a guy off the street and Brian Witzman over him. Um, you know, I think he could start in a pinch, obviously, but that's where, like I said, you probably still draft somebody. So that is it. My name is Parker Hurley. Follow us on Twitter at BearGogglesOn.com, and we'll talk to you guys next week. We'll probably do a similar type of uh, podcast here. Hopefully, some more news happens in the next couple of days.